0: Hello everybody. I would just like to apologize in advance for any problems with the audio. We had some slight technical difficulties during this episode, but we hope you enjoy. Hello, this is Patrick Monaghan from Foreign Football Forecast. And today I'm joined by special guest DJ Taylor of North Carolina FC. DJ, how are you doing today?
1: Good. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope you're doing well too.
0: It's been pretty good. Been able to go and play a little bit of football the last couple of days, but it's it's been tough. You know, I'm used to Saturday, Sunday getting up and being able to watch Premier League, watch some at Mequís, and all that's been thrown out the window.
1: Yeah, it's been tough for me. You know, obviously not being able to watch. You know, you you wait for those Saturdays and those Sundays to be able to wake up and watch football as soon as you wake up. It's the best feeling, you know.
0: It is the best feeling. And, you know, one thing I've been wondering is I was at uh, London Bridge and, you know, that that place on a Saturday and Sunday was unbelievable because they would have every single game. And I went there a couple weeks before and then even right before everything happened and even then it was starting to get a little bit empty.
1: That's a, I mean, that's a wonderful spot, obviously, because that's where all our supporters go. And we've been there a couple times, but, yeah, it's... It's crazy how this has affected everyone's life.
0: So with you guys, did you already start the season when all this happened? Or, or what exactly was going on? Because I know that the MLS had started, I want to say, like one or two games. Was it just that it immediately stopped? Yeah, so we played, we did our offseason, and then we played our first league
1: game against Louisville. And then that next week, about Thursday that next week, when we were training, after training, that's when they declared everything to stop. And we couldn't train together and haven't trained together
0: since then. Since you're part of also, you know, you have the Youth Academy and then you have Courage, is there a level of collaboration between the two they've used with the Youth Academy or with, you know, the the women's side or is it kind of more of a a separate type of process?
1: Um, I think they're working on the collaboration of uniting all, obviously all three of us, the Courage, the youth side and us, but I think for right now, I would think for workouts and fitness and stuff like that, I think it's from top to bottom because we all are sponsored by the same athletic lab, which is where we do our gym workouts and stuff, and they give us workouts and stuff to keep our fitness and body in shape.
0: Have you guys been able to kind of learn and collaborate from one another? Because I know uh, you're from Raleigh, correct? So didn't you go and progress, if I'm not mistaken, through NCFC Academy? And when you were progressing, was it did they already do the rebranding, or was it still the Railhawks at the time? Um, so
1: yeah, so when I started out before Railhawks, it was called Castle. So back then, they were sponsored by Chelsea, actually. So I grew up playing recreationally for a couple of years, and then I played Challenge for a while, so I was about 12. After that, I tried out for Classic, which was the highest division for your eighth group, and I made the second to worst team in that division. And then the next season, I moved up to the top team, which was Castle-Chelsea,
0: U13. I know that over there that this kind of Youth Academy has just kind of progressed and progressed and progressed, and when you were going through it, did you feel that it helped you prepare kind of as a player, or do you think that there was any recommendations you had maybe in the past and even going forward for for kind of the Youth Academy approach? Or
1: Yeah, I would say, like, obviously, every time I've been at the club since I went from... When I first started, it was Castle Chelsea, and then when I was in the academy, it was Hawks, and then once I came back from overseas, I played here, now it's North Carolina FC, so obviously the transition, I think, is is crazy to see, but it's also good to see how the club grows, and it's obviously, um, it gives out a better opportunity for the youth that are coming through now, so they need to take advantage of the opportunity they have now, because back when obviously all of us were in there, we didn't have the resources and opportunities that the kids have nowadays, but I think it's great the club is making great strides to give better opportunities for the city
0: players coming through. Okay. And so when you were coming up, I'd, I did see that you had gone over to Spain. How did how did that process come about? Did that, were you connected through your club or was it through a tournament or or how did that approach go? And what was your experience like playing over there?
1: Yeah, so when I was in U16 Academy, the Spanish agency, they had happened to come over to the club actually and just present what their beliefs and uh, what their company did. So they obviously were bringing foreign players into Spain. So basically they just gave us a presentation and then I got their details after that, stayed in touch with them and then obviously as I was going through the academy to the top of like UAT, 18 um, I got better and better. And then at that time I had committed to UNT Chapel Hill. So I was verbally committed to go there to play on a scholarship. But I ended up deciding to go to Spain, so I stayed in touch with them. And when I graduated high school from Creek High School, I left for a two-week trial and ended up signing in a club called Torre Levante, which is first division U-19 over there. And then the next year I played fourth division professionally, and then I obviously came back here. But I think the experience there, I would never take it back. I don't regret it at all. I think it was, it grew me as a person. On and off the field, and I think a lot of the things I learned today have gotten to the point where I am now. And obviously, learning the Spanish culture, the Spanish play, which you know you can see every day, and how they play caca and all that stuff. I think the coaching I got from there was irreplaceable, and the experience was great. And obviously, I still plan on returning back to Europe eventually.
0: Because I was, I was going to say, I actually had studied over in Spain, and I knew um, the place I was studying in. There was a city called Santander, which was historically a pretty big club but I'd seen and you know I've noticed that there has always been such an interesting way that the Spanish play Did they instill that in a natural sense or was it that you as a player had to kind of adapt to it because like when you came over there and you were playing what do you think was the biggest kind of difference between the maybe the way that you had been taught and the way you had grown up playing versus you know when you came over there Because you said when you came over there that it was kind of a transition process, and obviously, you know, it's a different country, it's a different language, a different culture. Did he feel that it was something that was easy to adapt to, or was it a little bit more difficult, or, or what was your kind of opinion?
1: I think obviously at first it was very tough obviously not knowing any Spanish and just you know getting there in a new country at 17 years old, it's kind of eye opening for you, you know, and you have to grow up real quick, you know, you're not with your parents there to take care of you, they're not close by or anything, Um, but yeah so I think for me personally just because their Spanish culture, the way all the way they're all brought up through the system and the whole Spanish country, it's easy for those players to just naturally develop. But I think, obviously, me being an American player and missing those you know pieces that you don't get in Europe, um, it took me a while to adapt a little bit. For sure, I think the coaching I got in trainings, like I said, like for example, like every trainings with the ball, you know, we didn't really do much. If we did fitness, it was more fitness. You know, everything, the culture that they developed there, I think it took me a little while to adapt, but I loved it because I knew that's the style I wanted to play. And obviously the coaches I got and the coaching I got from them was, was crazy. But for me, I think it was more of a mentality thing that I had to adapt, which was, you know, keep the ball rather than, you know, just kick it long or make other decisions. I think my dynamic <laughs> was what I had to adapt to the most. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, it's a much different mentality. And also, you know, even you you were coming over and you were playing in uh, Tercera División, right? So, I mean, even with that, I've seen that, I think, I want to say there's about 80 clubs or something per division. But even that's a really pretty high level of competition. And I wonder, when you were transitioning from that to coming over to NCFC, did you feel that it was like a significant improvement when you came and you were playing with NCFC as opposed to playing in... In Spain or what's kind of been the difference like with that because I think there's a tendency to try to compare leagues and compare competition but I've always kind of felt personally that that's a little bit unfair to do because you're trying to compare the styles of a different country and you know like you had mentioned with Spain it's a totally different mentality and a totally different manner of coaching and youth academy and everything so I'm wondering if that there's any comparisons or if it's if it's just a totally different experience.
1: Yeah, I think um, obviously the two leagues are different. You know, I agree with you on. I don't think people should compare leagues, obviously, because you'd never really do that. based on the country and style of play that each country and club plays. Um, but I think all the things that I learned in Spain allowed me to reach that level that I was that I'm at now and stay consistent with it. Obviously coming back here and playing in USL well it was in ESL but now USL it was for me I guess it was more of a more professional environment um, and I think obviously I wouldn't be able to compete at the level I do now if I didn't go to Spain I would say I think I do think here it's, it's a little bit more professional and um, but I think like I said, I give credit to all the Spanish coaches and the time I spent there to being able to compete at this level and push myself even past the level that I'm at now.
0: Would you um would you recommend that say say you're a player playing right now, either in high school and you had kind of the the path that you had and you know, you had mentioned that you had committed to UNC Chapel Hill and ultimately decided to go over to Spain. Would you advise that going forward or how do you feel that that approach could maybe be for some of the youth players coming up now? Because it feels like it's it's very much kind of an individual decision because what you would feel comfortable with, you know, and would, would work for you and what did work for you, maybe, maybe that's something that would work for others because I've noticed there is a tendency in U.S. soccer to kind of encourage players to either you know, at least try to go overseas and attempt to, to really kind of learn and progress as players. And personally, I have kind of noticed a tendency where players tend to progress a little more when it's, say, something like you, when you went and you come and you've been playing overseas and you've been playing in a different environment. I do kind of think it helps players step outside of their comfort zone and improve as a player. But I'm wondering if that's something that should be encouraged because also you know you do mention you know you playing in the USL. I know the USL has had you know some aspirations to try to to try to progress as well and to be able to attract maybe more players from high school that would have gone to college. And you know ultimately, I guess my question is 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 what's your kind of you know thoughts on on that situation?
1: Uh, I mean, like you said, I think at the end of the day, it's just a you. You know, you know who you are. Um obviously like I have nothing going I have nothing against going to college and playing. Obviously they are even NCAA nowadays, they are making strides to making the season like an actual soccer season. Obviously I think for me back then, you know, the season was only three months, so I'm sitting here thinking, What is three months gonna do for me? You know, when I'm trying to play professionally. And other people are getting way more matches than I am. So um, obviously on that argument, you have that you can go to college, you can get your education, you can play at a top level, you can get a scholarship. But then obviously if you're going to Europe, you know where you want to play. You know? And I think really if you want to do it, it's an individual decision. Because you, if you commit to it, you have to commit to it. You can't you can't have one foot in it. So I think you as a person, you have to decide that. You know, as I said, it's an individual decision. If you really want to commit to it, then you gotta do that. And obviously, I think from there, people know which decision to make. Um, I think, like obviously, I had gone so with that agency, I had gone to Spain for two weeks just to try it out and see what it was like. You know, and for me, it was like an eye-opening experience. You know, I got to see the level that the Spanish players played at, and then obviously, I wasn't adapted to that level yet, so I was struggling a little bit. You know, and then once I came back. I went back to work with the academy in the first team because I knew that's the level I needed to reach now if I really wanted to make that jump. And so that's what I did eventually. Um, but like I said, it's an individual decision, you know. I can't, you can't tell people whether or not to go to college or to go overseas. It also depends on, obviously, the opportunity. But like I said, I think if you're going to make that jump overseas, you have to know who you are and know that that's what you really want. And you have to fully commit to it.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think, you know, somebody like you who goes from NCFC, I wonder if there was a partnership with, say, say Levante, for example. You know, a first division club out in Spain, I wonder if that would be a benefit to where they loan out some of the younger players to come and get experience in the States and understand our level of play and how we're playing and then, you know, kind of vice versa with the collaboration. I've seen some things like that. I know um, there's one because you had mentioned the Spanish agency, there was one, it's um, a club called Cornea, and there's an organization called ISL Football, and my friend of mine actually was the one running it, and they basically would set up different camps, and it was essentially doing what you had done to get that trial. They basically did that same thing, where they would essentially try to get players and scout them and send them over so that they could kind of improve and at the very least get a trial period. And I wonder if something like a collaboration effort like that would be beneficial or not, because it, the soccer here in, in the States is just a totally different business model and a totally different approach. So I don't know if that would be maybe the best idea or not.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think obviously it would be very beneficial for, for players. I mean, in both countries, obviously, because I think here we're all trying to make that jump to go to Europe. But I also think in Europe, the players that, you know, couldn't make it to the top level, their players are still really good players. Um, they're looking for a way to get their education and continue playing. So I think it works out, obviously, in the way if we can close and bridge that gap so players can make that jump easier, then that's what we should do. I think U.S. soccer is working on it. And I think, obviously, if we can bridge those gaps, then it would be very easy for players to go through and have better opportunities in what. I had when I went through it.
0: And so, you know, you discuss kind of, you know, when you had been playing over there, and when you came back, how was that approach, and how did you kind of make that decision to go back from playing over in Spain to coming back home and and playing for NCFC? Was it something where they had kind of contacted you or a more kind of internal decision? or
1: Uh, I think it was a little bit of both, because obviously since... Since I had left there um, in between the seasons and the off-season summer, I would come back here at home. I spend like a month at home. But during that time, you know, they were always open to me training with the team, whatever team, like the first team, and just, you know, staying, keeping my fitness up, staying in shape and stuff. So I was always grateful for that. And obviously, you know, each year when, when Colin Clark was there, he'd always be mentioning in my ear, oh, here, you should stay. You know, and then obviously um, after the second year in Spain, I got to a point where I was just, you know, I had come back and I was just training with the team. I was performing well, and he was he was saying, you know, hey, like I'm serious, like I really want to sign you, yada yada yada. So I think obviously with that, hearing that, and then obviously um, my internal decision, you know, to come home. Obviously, I was mis- I was one of the reasons I came back was because my little brother, who's eight years old now, so um, he was about. I don't know, four, I guess, around that See, It was tough being away from the family. Um, but I think I had reached a point where I was, you know, like I said, I think the opportunity, I came up, soccer is all about opportunities. And NCFC came up with an opportunity at that moment of time where I felt it was the right decision. So um, obviously it's worked out for the best now. I've played 71 of 74 games so far as a starter. So um, obviously I'm still progressing to make those steps to go back to Europe or to MLS. I don't know, we'll see, but um, obviously, I have no regrets.
0: Yeah, I mean, because I, I remember seeing you guys play last year, and I had seen a couple games, and I remember that seeing that you had been playing in defense, and had you been playing in defense when you got back, or were you playing a different position when you were in in Spain? Did Because I, I saw you playing, I want to say you were playing, was it center, I think it was center back at the time. Were you playing that at, when you were overseas, or... Did you just have to switch positions when you came back?
1: Um, No, so I've been playing right back all the time. Um, In Spain, I would play right winger sometimes. Probably more, it was probably like half and half, right winger, right back, depending on the game situation. And then obviously when I came back here, I still played right back. I have played winger one or two games here, but yeah, right back's going to make positions.
0: Okay. And so, you know, you were discussing kind of how you know, you came back and you were able to see your family. Was that, was like, when you were able to come back and you were able to have, say, that sort of, I really because you grew up here, I guess you could say that kind of hometown, you know, fan base and support group, do you think that helps you kind of progress as a player when you have so much support and so much encouragement already back home to where it's not like, you know, having to call your family and having to receive that level of encouragement from so far away do you think that that's kind of helps you from you know a mental standpoint to where maybe you know you've had a couple games and it's been a, a run of bad form but you know you have that support group already does that help at all or
1: so yeah i think that's one of the main reasons uh i came back from spain obviously is to have that moral support and support that i hadn't had for two years though. Obviously, being back here, having the fan group, you know, they've been a blessing. Obviously, and the coaching staff, like obviously John Bradford, who was my coach as an academy player, now is my assistant coach for the first team. So it's been a blessing, you know, having people around you that want you to get better and help you reach your goals. So I think uh, I give everything to the club and the fans, and it's obviously worked out. Um, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, because uh, to be honest, I've noticed a really big kind of change and and really just kind of soccer culture here. Since since they rebranded to NCFC, they've really just made incredible strides. I've seen such a kind of greater devotion and dedication to the community. And, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, going to London Bridge and seeing the supporters groups over there. I remember going, you know, almost any time there was a game, every time after the game, there would always be people there. And it feels like they've made a greater commitment to really to the community. And I remember, I want to say it was it was either last year or it was 2018 that uh, the club had basically got everything set up and they got the U.S. to come and have that friendly and they had played against Paraguay. And I've noticed it seems like they've made a much greater commitment than, you know, when they were at the Railhawks. And I, I have to give credit to, Steve Malik, and and really just the club because it seems like they are really helping change the culture here. And I'm wondering if this is something maybe you've noticed or because you mentioned, you know, when you were growing up, I know about 10 years ago, the level of interest that soccer has now, it was not like that because when I was growing up, I was like one of the only people that played soccer. Everyone would kind of Nobody else really played. They were always like, "Oh, we like football or baseball." And I'm like, um, "I don't, I don't really like that that much." Uh, yeah.
1: So I think obviously it's been crazy being back and seeing how the club grows and the fans grow each year. Obviously, I think the culture in U.S. in general, like you said, it's it's growing a lot, and I think it's going to continue to grow. Obviously, with U.S. soccer getting bigger and soccer obviously expanding itself all around the world. And like I said, even here locally, it's getting a lot bigger. You know, with NCFC with the rebranding new owner, Steven Malik, you know, he's taking great steps to, you know, even try to build that big stadium in downtown. Um, so, yeah, I think in every aspect of the club's growing, soccer's growing. It's great to see how it's gone the last since I've been here for the last two and a half years.
0: What do you think about seeing that, you know, seeing that Charlotte's kind of been able to get an MLS club? Do you think that will help the state progress even more to the point where, because right now, you know, they yeah, they're going to have the club, but they still don't have that kind of youth infrastructure that we have here in the triangle. And I'm wondering if that's going to be able to create maybe a greater pipeline to where say, you know, you've got say NCFC playing and I don't know what's going to happen with independence, but I'm wondering if that can help players progress as well. And if there can be a greater collaboration and I'm really, I'm really kind of curious to see how everything's going to go with kind of the inaugural season, because personally, I noticed Charlotte had a pretty strong soccer culture, but I think this could really improve kind of soccer as a whole in the whole state, because I know, you know, I went to UNC Charlotte and we had an incredible program over there. And then, you know, you having had committed to UNC, UNC has an incredible program as well. And I'm wondering if this is going to create maybe a little bit more intrigue and maybe help grow the game, um, I'm not really that sure though. I don't know how it's gonna react.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think it's good for the state overall, obviously, getting get more exposure, you know, obviously being in MLS. And I think for all the players here it's the opportunity for them. If if Charlotte and the state and all the clubs here can work on creating a pipeline to connect all the clubs and pull all the players so that they can have a chance to play for the MLS Academy or the MLS first team. I think it'll be great for the state obviously. And obviously it starts next year but Hopefully, we can bridge those gaps, like I said earlier, and, and create a pipeline for players to go
0: through this Okay. And so you've been playing for, is it been two, or th- is this going to be the third season going on with with NCFC?
1: Yeah, this will be the third season.
0: Okay. And now during those two seasons, what do you think has been kind of maybe the greatest sort of accomplishment you've been able to have so far? And has there been any kind of significant obstacles from... From your perspective, or how's, how's your kind of two years been going over there? Because you said you mentioned you'd started, it was 71 of 74 games, correct? Mm-hmm. What do you think has been maybe the the greatest achievement you've had as a player? And we can include Spain as well, um, really just during your time as, as a professional.
1: Yes, I mean, as a professional in Spain, the last year I was there. Um, I was on loan at a club that was fighting to stay out of relegation to Sarah and we ended up saving the club from getting relegated. I think that was one of the biggest things, you know, first accomplishments I had at the professional level. And obviously it was a whole new intensity over there, obviously with the relegations. relegation. Um, I missed that for sure, but um, I think since I've been here back in the States these last two and a half years, I think it's just the growth I've had since arriving here, you know. You know, not playing as much, and then, obviously, the next season, last or the last two seasons, starting every game almost, and being consistent starter, and creating chances. And then, obviously, even last season, I think, well, overall, in general, out of all the seasons, you know, each season I got better, as I, as I was saying, with that growth aspect. You know, last season, I think I had five assists and a goal, and I think that's probably my best season I've had at the professional level so far. So, obviously, hoping... The next season will be just as good, if not better. But I think just the ability for me to grow and continue to get better on and off the field, obviously, has been great, I think, for me. I mean, obviously, scoring a goal last season, too, for NCFC at the professional level was, was a good feeling as well.
0: Five goals? That's, that's some, you know, that's some Sergio Ramos level or something like that. Yeah, it was five assists and one goal. Oh, five assists and one goal. I was going to say Five goals. Yeah. Now, nah, even five assists, though—that's—that's that's a, a level of playmaking you don't really see that much. That's yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Red also include, obviously last year. I got defender the year, so that was good too. And then leading the team in minutes the last two seasons has also been good. You know.
0: Congrat—Congratulations on that. That's that's quite the accomplishment. Yeah. Thanks. Now, so you know. One more thing I think before we kind of wrap up is would you be able to touch on kind of that experience as, you know, you're mentioning fighting relegation. Do you think when you're like when you're trying to fight relegation, how does that kind of mentality develop? Did you know this stuff, you know, for a a little bit or because I'm wondering if there's kind of maybe a level that's comparable to you fighting for relegation versus, say, NCFC is fighting for The championship and you've got like five or six games left does that level of intensity you think compare or
1: i think it's it's similar i wouldn't really compare the two but i think they're kind of similar but um obviously with the promotional relegation, it's it's really you turn into like a survival mode you know every game every minute every second matters every decision you make matters because one decision can either make or break you guys moving forward or the club getting relegated. And Obviously, you have all the fans there supporting you at every game. So everything you do has an effect. And I think, obviously, the U.S. has not really reached that similar intensity of competition unless it's in playoffs or, like you said, in the final games, you know what I mean? Um, Do you think... Yeah, yeah,
0: go ahead. I was going to say, do you think that, that that intensity can translate? Because... You know, I'm wondering if there's an opportunity to have that promotion relegation. I have a, one of my friends who's playing in the MLS, and we were discussing this the other day, and he said we both kind of agreed that it's something that would be beneficial personally for the fans, but I wonder how you can really kind of kind of instill that and create that because I think the issue is we we as fans, we would like that, and I think it would even improve you guys as players because you're fighting for relegation. And like you said, the intensity just turns up, you know, 10, 20, a hundred notches and it's really helping you improve because you get a greater intensity and it's a greater sense of, like you said, like a survival mode. And I wonder if, if that's something that can be instilled because I'm not sure how we can really get that level of intensity in here in the US and I think we're growing towards it but I think that would be something that would help take that to the next level
1: yeah I think obviously in order to even get close to that intensity we have to install emotional relegation whether even if it doesn't have to go all the way through all the leagues but it could just be you know MOS USL let's say you know just to give the smaller clubs and players that are working their way up a chance to reach that intensity. Obviously, it would make even MLS better because those bottom teams would have to fight not to get relegated. So I think that would we have to install it here in the U.S. at some time. Hopefully, it's been a couple of years or something like that. But that's the only way that I think the U.S. and its players are going to have the same intensity.
0: I think so because... And one thing I've kind of contemplated was, I wonder if we could instill something like how they have um, over in Mexico. So, you know, for example... I've gone to a couple different games over there when I've been down there, and over there they have it's a weird system, but it's basically like every it's like every two years basically that a club is one club is going to get relegated, and then the other club is going to get promoted, and over there you know they have I would say it's comparable to to sort of the U.S. soccer landscape in the sense that it's a lot of pretty big clubs, clubs from really pretty large cities and they have that promotion relegation, and I think that's definitely helped the game. And I think what really could help, really, like you said, with the promotion relegation is it would help make kind of the clubs better, and it would definitely help improve MLS. I think if you had some sort of pipeline to where it gives people an alternative, because right now, if you want to go and play, I think that the perspective is you have to go over to Europe, but I think if you could have something like that, it would help kind of our landscape and our game. And right now, I don't, I don't think it would have to be every year, but I think the one thing, and I'm wondering if you kind of think the same thing, is I think the one thing that prevents it is owners getting nervous and worried about, you know, a big club getting relegated. And say, say it's LA Galaxy or say it was Red Bulls or something, I think that's the one thing, that prevents them. Because there's plenty of different markets that would be huge. I have, uh, one of my friends is over in Phoenix and there was clubs in, you know, San Diego, et cetera, et cetera. Here in Raleigh, I know that, you know, something like that. So I think we have enough markets but it feels like it's it's just a monetary standpoint and maybe that's what's preventing it from growing.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a monetary standpoint. Obviously, you no, know, controls everything. anything. You have to pay to get into MLS, which you don't ever see that anywhere else around the world. It's all promotional litigation. It's, you know, whoever, anybody can play, doesn't matter what level, anybody can move up, anybody can move down. So I think it's a, it's, that's how it should be. And I think hopefully, I hope the MLS is open to changing that one, one day soon.